Ag State of Mind, episode 21. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. Greetings and welcome to this episode of the Ag State of Mind podcast, a member of the Global Ag Network. I'm your host, Jason Meadows, and today on the show we have Cynthia Martell. Cynthia is an extension agent with the Virginia Cooperative Extension, a partnership between Virginia Tech University and Virginia State University. She's an extension agent specializing in dairy science, but she has taken on the task of educating farmers and ranchers alike about the mental health and mental stresses that can come with living the life that they live. She's been going around, she's been holding workshops and trying to normalize that conversation, um, a conversation we know that is very much needed and uh, really excited to get to somebody who is not from the Midwest. So many of our guests have been from the Midwest and I'm glad to get somebody outside that normal group of people to get out and realize that the stresses that we're facing here in the Midwest are, are felt throughout the country. So it's really cool to get to hold with her. So stick around after the interview with Cynthia. I've got some news about an event that I'm going to be at and hope you all will tune in and pay attention to that at the end. So without any further ado, here is my interview with Cynthia Martell. All right, Cynthia, welcome to the show today. How are you? I'm very good today. Good, good. So I wanted you to tell me, tell me a little bit about your background in ag, how you, maybe how you got started, how you grew up, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, so I actually grew up in New Hampshire with horses, and I went to, started my undergrad, actually started it more in ag, is I started as a pre-vet major, and then through that I actually switched to dairy management um, because of my advisor that I had at the University of New Hampshire. And from there, I started working on the dairy farm and then progressed. When I got done, I went to another dairy farm and worked there. And it was when I was at another dairy farm in New Hampshire that I decided I wanted to go back to school to get my master's degree. And that took me out to K-State, where I got my master's degree in, in reproductive physiology. And I also have one in nutrition. And then I tried to get back as close to New Hampshire as I could to work with with farmers, and it brought me here to Virginia. So I've been in Virginia the last eight years. Uh, February 6th actually made eight years for me, but I've been in Virginia working as an extension agent with Virginia Cooperative Extension. So it seems that that seems like you've kind of really changed the lands, landscapes a little bit. You grew up in New Hampshire, then moved out to Kansas, and then back to Virginia. Kind of went in this little triangle almost, seemed, not little triangle, big triangle. <laughs> so... I'm curious, what things are the same and what things are different in in the because I feel like those three places are quite different in in maybe the the makeup of the landscape and in the makeup of the ag sector. So what um what do you what do you what are the similarities and differences you've seen? Well, from if I compare New Hampshire to Virginia, similar like landscape wise, what brought us here was course my job but the hills and the mountains mm-hmm. I'm sure of course gets lots more snow in Virginia we're not getting any here now but 
the farming community too. Um, New Hampshire used to have lots of dairy farms, um, not so much anymore. You know, that's kind of the trend that's happening. In Virginia, the number of dairy farms are going down as well. I just actually had to look it up for a for a producer that's doing a talk next week, and we're down to like I think it's 454 give or take farms in Virginia. Um, just last year, they lost um, I think it was 45 dairies just in the state. Mm. Um, and so that similarities there. The, the states are I think are pretty close. I do have to remember I'm below the Mason-Dixon line while I'm here. Um, and yeah. so, <laughs> it doesn't take you long think, to realize that once you're there. That, yeah. When I first moved here, people were like, oh, where are you from? And I'd say New Hampshire. And they're like, oh, okay. You're, yeah, you're up there. <laughs> when we went from New Hampshire to Kansas, um, I solely went out there for school um, to work with one the first the first professor that I went out with for reproduction. And it's different. It's definitely different out there. Flat. It's open spaces. The roads are all, you know, I always was told if you drive down this road and you take a left or take a right, just look for the water towers. You're going to find your way back if you get lost. Yeah. I don't think we ever got lost in Kansas, whereas we've gotten lost here in Virginia and you can easily get lost in New Hampshire. Right. Um, yeah. The roads are, the roads are not the same. Where I was doing stuff in, um, at K-State with reproduction and dairy farms, you know, there was the dairy on the university, but we had to travel like an hour to do any of our research on the dairies out there. Here, back in Virginia, I have a, let's see, there's just where I live here in the county that I live in, there's about four dairy farms, you know, within a couple miles of where I I live. So it's a lot different than when I was out in Kansas. So was the reason out in Kansas just there weren't as many dairies around because of it's more of a, in that area you're you're in the Flint Hills so that's a lot of that's a lot of beef cattle yeah. and probably yeah. cow calf people out yep. in that area. It, it's all beef right there, uh-huh. um, and that's why we travel the you know a distance to do any of our research on the two farms that we worked on. Sure, sure. So and here, go ahead. Dairies all over the place. Right, right, yeah. So that leads me into tell me a little bit about what you are currently, what your current position is, and what you, that what that involves. That now I, I looked online. Are you employed by Virginia Tech, and that you are a member of a like a cooperative with between Virginia Tech and Virginia State University? Yes. Yep. That's how it is. How Virginia Cooperative Extension works. I'm hired by Virginia Tech. All extension agents for Virginia Cooperative Extension were more associated with Virginia Tech than we are Virginia State University. Okay. They have some extension agents out there, but we go back to Virginia Tech. Okay, because that was the original land-grant university. Yep. And so what my original job was when I was hired as the dairy agent is um, that I service three counties here in Virginia. The county I work for and the two surrounding mine that have dairy farms in it, but there's only two of us that are dairy agents for the whole entire state. There's a gentleman up above me in what we call Rockingham County, so we and I'm here in Franklin County, so we just kind of divide the state in half. Wow. He has the upper half and I have the lower half. So even though we have our predominant areas that we're supposed to work out of, farmers from other counties can call us and we're we're willing to go help them as well. So you primarily deal with dairy then. Yes, that's okay. my prim- primary job. Okay. And I was hired for, I, I am at this point the only ag agent in our office. 
So any day I could be handling dairy questions or I could be handling homeowner questions about what bugs are in their plants. No That's kidding. kind of a job of extension agent. Yeah, we wear many hats. Yeah, I guess so. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, does that kind of being kind of spread a little thin, does that wear on the frustrations of the producers at all? Um, uh, I don't think it does too much. At times it may. Um, I always go back to telling people my primary job is the dairy farmers. That's what I was hired for, and that's my background. Um, there's other agents in surrounding counties, so if I don't have time to answer a customer's question that comes in when they call in or they email us. I can forward it on to another county. Um, the county right below us has a horticulture agent, so I can send a lot of questions to her. And that's kind of how we do it here as extension agents. If we can't answer the question, we're going to pass it on to somebody else that's more qualified to answer it. Okay. All right. Very good. So remind me how we connected. We connected over, uh, I think it was my episode with Cody Crowman and you commented when he shared the page and we got to talking over that. And uh, I want to know how you got started with dealing with mental health with farmers and the people that you serve and uh, how that's been received in your part of the, your part of the world. Yeah, that's how we got talking about it was I saw your your podcast that Cody had that he had posted. I had followed his page religiously. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not too many vets out there that would sh- show all those things and make videos and put it out there for everybody to see. I thought it was great. And then when he, when you talked to him and I found out he was done being a vet, I was a little upset. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so, but it goes back to, and I understand it's, it's a stressful job. Um, and so it was about a year ago. Well, actually it was a little over a year ago. Myself and the other dairy agent, his name is Jeremy, um, we were asked by the intern direct, uh, head of the dairy science department at Virginia Tech to go out to Michigan State to take their farm stress two-day intensive class. Mm-hmm. So that's where we went. Mm-hmm. We went out there um, back in January of last year when it was like negative five degrees, <laughs> and we took their two-day intensive class on farm stress. Great program. If anybody is looking for a program to, to help and, you know, for them to better understand things um, and be able to teach it, I would suggest highly recommend that program. It's kind of the it's kind of the go to program. They're they're kind of the almost pioneers in that in getting this program through to the to the extension offices throughout the country. Yeah, it is. It's and it's great. I mean now they're doing an online version of it. So huh. we I'm curious to see how that is gonna play out. Um because the hands-on, the one we went to, we had to that ability to communicate with everybody from other states and kind of figure out and talk to each other. I don't see how you can do that in you know, an online setting. You can't have somebody sit next sure. to you that you, you put things off of. I mean, there's a lot to be said with actual, real sit-down in a classroom, human-to-human interaction that just gets lost when it's when it's through a computer. And there's the discussions that may occur in between the actual lessons and, you know, like you said, figuring out what somebody does out in Montana or what they do down in Florida or what you're doing in Virginia. Um, that's a big part of these kind of going places to these outreach programs is figuring out how other people do do things or what stresses people are dealing with in other places. Um, I think it really helps you have a, a bigger picture, more, holo, uh, excuse me, a more holistic approach to your treatment of the problem. Yeah, 
And one of the bigger, the big things that they have is a prerequisite that we had to take was we had to take a eight hour mental health first aid class mm-hmm. before we could even go and do that, or we could go like a day ahead and, and take that. But we took it back here in Virginia, and that's one of their prerequisites is to have that training under under your belt before you go and take it. And just that eight hour mental health class I took was a was an eye opener. I didn't take it with other people that are involved in ag. When I took it, I was there with probation officers. So I got a different side of things by taking that class. And then they saw a different side of things when I had to explain, you know, I'm the dairy agent for the county. And this is why I'm here taking this class. I opened their eyes and they opened mine. We were able to share a lot of information because we're coming from two different backgrounds. Yeah. And again, that's just another another way these kind of trainings are valuable because not just in agriculture, but you being an ag agent and talking to these people who are dealing with like a corrections officer or juvenile officer, you know, kind of getting it just just adds to the big picture of the problem and I think helps you be more get more well-rounded solutions. Even though you are only dealing with people in ag, you can kind of come at it with a more I always use I always use the word, but it's the only word I feel like is right is a more holistic approach. Yeah, it's true. They were amazed by some of the stories that I, you know, had to tell them because they're like, "Well, we didn't ever, we don't, we didn't ever think that would happen to agriculture." And I'm like, "Well, it can happen to anybody." Right. Um, and these are things that we have to to look for and, and to deal with. Sure, sure. That's so, kind of how I started taking the got into it, and because I could see, you know what farmers were going through. I work with them all the time. So I was kind of seeing the stressors that they were, they were having. Right. Right. Yeah, of course. You kind of were their proxy in a way to kind of add your solution to it. As I like to say, um, as I try to tell the farmers too, is they communicate with me without their emotions, without really saying it mm-hmm. um, more than, and I try to tell them they communicate more with the Maybe not so much a total stranger, but not a spouse or a family member. And, and so, like, if I go to the farm, you, you kind of turn into a therapist in a way for some farmers because they just need somebody to vent to, but they don't feel like they should really vent all that on their on their spouse. Right, because there's a well, because there's a marriage to uphold there, and there's there's a sacredness about that. I think that obviously people honor when they don't deal you know don't involve their spouse i know from personal experience um there's some things that have happened around the farm um around our our business that i am very reluctant to really dive into with my wife because i want to separate the business of farming from our life as much as possible and make it um make a compartmentalization I, i think farmers are really good at that until it does actually come time to actually need to unload that on somebody because it does need to happen. You know, we, we need to find the right person for it to happen too. Right. And that's, I mean, I think that is the, the value in an extension agent as such as yourself, having that training, having that mental health first aid, going to the, the course, taking the course that you, that you took at Michigan state to understand that sometimes you may be that person for many particular people and being well equipped in that role can help, you know, it may, may be the difference in, 
who knows what difference it can make in, in an individual's life. Right. And that's, that's the thing, the big thing when we went out there is the, the impact this program has on farmers. Some are open to it and they come and they, they afterwards they'll come and talk to you more and they want to learn more about it. And what can, what can I do? What other things can I do? And, and then there's those that are very reluctant to, to want to come to the program because they hear stress and mental health and they don't want their peers to see them. And I'm like, but if your peers here, that means it's okay because they, they want the help too. So, you know, you shouldn't feel bad for coming to a program because there is going to be another farmer there that probably is feeling the same way as you, where you guys can work together to, you know, come over this problem and this hump that needs to be taken care of. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I do, I want to talk about how how well it is received and is it received with a certain demographic that you serve more, whether it be age-wise or gender-wise or whatever it may be. Is there a certain group that maybe responds better to this than another? Yeah, that we. so it's been slow getting going for our farmers mm-hmm. to come and then I think that is that whole... They're afraid to let somebody else, their fellow farmer, know that, you know, that they're coming to this program. So the very first program I did last year actually was in a neighboring county, um, and it was very well received. And I, in that part, took because the woman that helped set it up um, with, the, with the agent over there, um, we have what's called a unit administrative assistance in each office. And the, she, like, called her farmers and said, dairy and beef and said, you will come to this meeting because I'm going to have dinner and you're my family. I want you there. So she, you know, she knows most of all of them, very close to them and probably a lot of them were related to her. So she, she demanded that they came, which was great. We had a great turnout at that program. Some of them were, it is when we do the one for the farmers, it's a lot about a lot of talking and, and going back and forth and answering things, writing things down. And so we try to get them involved and invested in it. And so there was a mix of husband and wives there, more men, but that's typically how it is here in any of our programs that we do regardless is the majority of our men that come to the programs and the wives stay home. Um, but she made sure several of the wives came and the wives took a lot away from it saying, now I know what to watch for, mm. for these signs in my husband. One of the big things we ask is some of the symptoms and the signs of, of stress. One of the big things, you know, is increased smoking or and people that go tend to go drink more or go towards drugs. And one of the wives came right out and said, that's my husband. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, which part? She was the smoking, the chain smoker. When he gets stressed, he chain smokes like a champ. Mm-hmm. And she said when he wasn't stressed, he it wasn't so much. And he admitted to it. He goes, that when I get stressed, that's what happens to me. So that program was very well received. We've had some other ones that we wished more people would show up, and that Mm -hmm. just gives me the opportunity to do it again. The first ones we've done it for, we were trying to get it out mostly for our dairy farmers, being that that's what I'm here for, the dairy farmers. But we always encourage anybody that's an ag to come to it. So that's, as I Mm -hmm. said, we've done year one, and I think between our dairy farmers, and I'd have to look back up our numbers between myself and Jeremy that are doing the courses between our dairy farmers and our ag 
businesses and professionals that have taken the one one or the other class, or some of them have done both. I think we've trained 400 something people or have come through our program so far, which is I'm happy with those numbers. Sure. If yeah. I mean, anybody we get, get to come to our class is is better than than none. Yeah, and it, it's always and it's good. There's always room for growth, and there's always room to improve your message and and mold it a little bit to to kind of see what what's the best fit. Now, I, I should have probably asked this at the beginning, but as far as Virginia is concerned and what it, what kind of ag production goes on there, there's dairy. I know there's a lot of a lot of beef cattle, a lot of stalkers, a lot of cow calf people. Is there is there is there a whole lot of anything else? I know. I mean, I know it doesn't probably a lot of the state doesn't isn't very well suited to row cropping. You'd be amazed. Really? Yeah, I think yeah, we got a lot of grain producers down here. Um, beef, dairy, pork, chickens is big up in Harrisonburg. Yeah, in Rockingham yeah. County, that's what the the highest number. That's number one for the state for dairy um, farms in the state. But they're big on the ch- in chickens and poultry and stuff. And then Franklin County used to be big in tobacco production. And now it's some other counties, but the tobacco, peanuts on this, the eastern shore type area. There's some, some cotton farmers. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's pretty well-rounded. There's a lot of It's a very diverse on. state. Yeah, you know, I like to feel like I'm pretty well-versed in what goes on around me and the states surrounding me. Um, I'm in Missouri, so I, I'm pretty familiar with things in Kansas and in Oklahoma, Arkansas, Iowa, you know, pretty much the Midwest and the Upper South. But yet further out, I'm, I, you know, I don't know a whole lot that that's really is going on locally. So the really the extent of what I know that goes on in Virginia is I'm, I'm familiar with Joel Saladin. And, you know, I know that he, he is there and does Polyface Farms. And um, that is how familiar I am with the region. And I know, you know, the uh, it's pretty mountain it's probably pretty similar to where i live just just i'm in the ozark so pretty mountainy and pretty hilly so uh, i know our part of the state doesn't lend itself very well to row cropping but you know to the north obviously it is and that's probably there's just probably different parts that are uh, serve a different purpose which is which is good for an overall state economy yeah i mean if you it's agriculture's big in virginia if you if you if you were to go on our virginia's what we call vdax it's a site that, you know, that the Virginia Department of Ag and Consumer Science, I mean, the top 20 things are, it's all, everything's agriculture. They do a lot of soybeans here in the state. Um, like I said, tobacco, the, the new thing that hit last year was a lot of hemp. Mm-hmm. People were going crazy for growing hemp. Mm-hmm. But it's still, I mean, animals are the, you know, livestock is, is big sure. right up there. Sure, sure. So I, I have two questions that I want to make sure that I get covered here. And the first one is you being a dairy agent and having a background in dairy and it being a very significant part of your life. What have these last couple of years really been like for folks in the dairy industry? How, you know, the stresses and as we're recording this, it's the week after the Oscar, nom- uh, the, uh, the whatever was said in the Oscars by Joaquin Phoenix about dairy and whatnot. Um and, and, and I don't watch any of those things. <laughs> well, good for you. I didn't had no idea what was going on either, except for I've seen people online talking about the, you know, the bad, you know, the bad things that have been said about about ag and uh, dairy in particular. And so, what are those attitudes like? How overall, how is that shaping the folks around you that you serve? So here, 
in Virginia, I mean, and of course, anywhere, the dairy industry's had it rough for five years. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and and I have farms still today. If I was to call them, they'd probably say, I don't know if I'm going to still be in business in a week. We had a lot of farms that will tell you that, you know, they're just, they're struggling to stay alive. It, it, and it breaks my heart to hear that um, because these farms, we have lots of century old farms here in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them, or they don't want to give it to their next generation because they don't want their kids to struggle like they've been struggling. Mm-hmm. And so that even even worse. And the, and the kids have grown up on it and they've seen the struggle that their parents are going through. And, and that's another thing we stress in the programs we do is you as the farmer is not the only one going through stress. Mm-hmm. Your wife and your child or children see your stress and then they that, you know, enhances their stress level. So that's what we've seen here is it's, it's been really rough. The farmers, like I said, just last year, we had like 45 go out in the state. Virginia, when I first when I first came to the county I'm in, there was 70 dairy farms, and that's eight years ago. We're down to 39 now. Oh, my. Um, predominantly here in this county, my farmers are German Baptists. Mm-hmm. And so they, they're great to work with, but they don't always, I mean, they'll come to my meetings because they want to learn but they're not the type that's going to have an internet or a smartphone, but they have beautiful farms and they love their animals. And so they don't hear a lot of the things that go on mm-hmm. on social media and in the news. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're kind of blind to that part. And a lot of times I like to tell them, look, you know, these are the things that can happen. You know, if somebody walks onto your farm, that's not portraying themselves in the best light. And so they're always leery. Um, mm-hmm. of those things, but they're hardworking people. Any of the farmers are here that, so they don't want to give up their way of life because it's, it's not a job for them. It's their passion and their, their sure. livelihood. Mm-hmm. And it's the only thing they know. Right. Yeah. And yeah. So they, they continue and they're going to, they continue doing what they can because that's, that's what they love to do. And they care for their animals so much. Oh yeah. So of course. I, and that's where, you know, and, Everything that comes across in the media, I, I've heard it, you know, I've seen it on social media that talks about, um, like you were just telling me, Oscars, the Grammys, which is the the one that does the music things. You know, they said they were going with a non-meat option for their dinner. Mm-hmm. And, and I love how agriculture comes back and combats that thing. Um, but you flew there in your private jets and all this and you're, you know, dairy or raising cattle or agriculture is not the root of the problems here. Mm-hmm. As I try to tell the farmers, unfortunately, it takes one person on social media to make things look bad for DAG, and it takes us thousands or millions of positive things to make agriculture look right. better, and, you know. Right. That's the hard part. Right, because it's convenient for them to attack that. It's a convenient for folks to attack something they don't understand or they don't realize the amount of work and amount of care that goes into it because they think that, well, all, I, all, it, all it changes, I just won't eat meat or I won't drink milk at the store. I'll get something different. Or with Starbucks going to the, you know saying we're, we're going non-dairy. Right, right, right. Yeah. You know, because they, it seems convenient to them. But in reality, it's, it's a huge change that would that would undertake a huge change for people. And as far as its effects on the environment, the environment 
would be much more well-suited and things would be better for the environment if they wouldn't fly on their private jets or decrease their transportation even by a quarter. You know, those kind of things. But those kind of things aren't convenient for people. And I think... I think, think the, and they don't want to listen, listen to where the farmer is the one that's... They, they're protecting the environment because that's the environment in which they live in and they raise their farm and their kids on is their livelihood. They need that environment to be as clean as possible and keep it healthy. Sure. And yeah. and that's what people don't want to listen to. Right. Yeah, no. Right. Exactly. And it's sad. It really is because there's so many people that are so affected by that. And it's not just the people who are directly involved in ag. And I always give this example of um, my little town. I'm in I'm in a town in Missouri, Cuba. And we have a we have a livestock market here in town. And, you know, the majority of the town probably has nothing to do directly with that livestock market. But you think about the restaurants in town, the gas stations in town, the there's hotels where people will stay. Buyers will stay overnight. You know, all these things that if that sale barn were to go somewhere else or quit existing here in Cuba, the influx of money would would go down drastically. And that's just a small, small example of how agriculture affects the community, not only the people directly involved and directly working in it, but the entire community surrounding it. That's exactly right. And that's how I try to explain it here. I mean, Franklin County has been always known as an agricultural community. And then they they have what's called Smith Mountain Lake. And so it's a lake, it's man-made, they boast 500 or something miles of you really can't call it coastline, but you know, I don't sure. know how I call it lake yeah. line. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and there's all these really, really expensive houses that were put on it. And then I guess they, this is before I even came, they expected it to boom and it'd be like the next place for vacationers and everything. And I, if you talk to the people who live here, I don't think it boomed like they wanted it to. Uh-huh. And it's not, the, the people that have grown up here did not want it to do what, sure. what right. some people wanted it to do. But, it's allowed some of the agriculture to be pushed further away from it. Mm-hmm. And you can, you can definitely see a difference. In, you know, it's like any vacation place between the non-summer months and the summer months. And you can tell us, okay, these are people that live here in Franklin County and these are people that are vacationing here. And you can see that, but you can also see on a, on a daily, you know, there's people that, I mean, in this County that, probably don't know where half their food comes from mm-hmm. they just believe it comes from the store right so that I, it's funny that you segued into that because that is really exactly kind of what my last question for you is going to be is it being in the east what's the closest metropolitan area to where you're at well we got roanoke which is just above us it's 20 you know 26 miles from where i work it's called mm-hmm. it's roanoke and then richmond is four hours from here and yeah. so that Richmond would be a lot bigger. And then we got, you know, right below us is Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. So, yeah, so you're kind of in that kind of stuck in the middle there. And that's kind of one of the, what I, I'm seeing myself is we are about an hour and 20 minutes from St. Louis. And the clashing of, like you said, of 
of country, you know, people who grew up in an ag-based community, and then these people who are coming in to this this area to, you know, kind of stake their claim. That is that's that's very that's very tough for that to mix. And um, you answered it pretty well for me because that's kind of the same thing I'm seeing around here. Is you know, it's great, and I, I'm glad that the area is growing. It's good for the economy, but. There are things that, you know, when you push this ag, keep pushing this ag lifestyle, this ag uh, sector further and further out, there's going to be one of these days where there's nowhere left for it to be. And I think we, have, we need to be very, very careful of that. Right. And, and there is that new wave of the, you know, the eat, eat local mm-hmm. you know, type movement, and which is great. But then it's a lot of people that want that eat fresh, eat local, eat farm type stuff. But they don't want the farmer right next to them. <laughs> yeah, right. And I'm like, but, the far- but the farmer was there before you guys, you know? Yeah, no, I know. I mean, I laugh, but it's, I mean, it's really not funny because they, it's, it's frustrating because, you know, you can't have it both ways, you know? <laughs> It's it, it I, I just and and I think it's I think it just that kind of attitude speaks to how aloof most people are when it comes to where their food comes from. And a lot of the people that have moved down here to the lake part of the county are New Jersey. So they've mm. come down and they're fellow Yankees like me that have just a little, you know, in the middle there that have come further uh-huh. um, down here. And there are a lot of people that um from D.C., I think, too, So, because Washington, D.C., Alexandria, and stuff like uh-huh. that, that's four and a half, five hours from here. Okay. Okay. And so they, they usually, a lot of people, will buy, they'll buy a second home down this direction. Uh-huh. And then they come here. And I always ask when people call in and, and, and say things, and I said, did you visit the home you were going to purchase in the stealth of the night? And they're like, what do you mean? I said, well, the cows have always been next door. <laughs> um, they, they've always been there. That uh-huh. that smell you were smelling—that's cow manure. Um, it was there when you looked at the house, and and then they were like, "Well, we didn't know." And I'm like, "Well, they were there first. Yeah, right. Um, and, and and so that's what the decision you have to make. And I always tell people that make friends with your farmers. They're the best neighbors to have. And they're like, "What do you mean? Free manure at times to fertilize your garden?" I'm like, "You'd be amazed at what you can get. You know, farmers are the." best people to have around you because they're always there to help and they're always there to look out for you you know and i've i mean i'm very well versed to that because i know that there's especially when i was growing up and i had a farm i rented um while i was going to college and i I went to college in st louis and i i know my neighbor knew the cattle almost as well or maybe better than I did because he drove by them every single day and he would call me on the phone and say, hey, your bull's limping a little bit or looks like uh, you got a sick calf or something, you know, you know, because people, that's that's the life. People look out for one another. Yep. And that's what I do for my farmers here. I'll drive by and it might be at night and I'm like, I'll call them and be like, your cows are out. <laughs> They're like, what? I'm like, your cows are out on the road. I'm turning around. I'm, I'm going to head them back towards the farm. I've had some that I've had to call and say, hey, there's a new baby calf in, in your dry cow lot. <laughs> and yeah. they're like, oh, yeah. thanks for telling us. Yeah. And I'm like, just so you get it. Sure. So it doesn't sure. get left out there. Right. Um, right. But that's, that's, that's how they are here. I mean, I have far, like I said, I have farmers all around me. And if I ever need anything, I just have to call them and say, hey, I, I need your help. Sure. And they know that I'm there to help them and they're there to help me. Yep. And it's that way would be that way for anybody. So, well, 
Cynthia, we're running just a little bit short on time here today. I, I really appreciate you coming on and having this conversation. I'm really excited to get a perspective of somebody outside the normal um, the normal scope of folks I talked about as far as geography is concerned, because I think a lot of my people come from kind of this cut besides the Heinz who I talked to who were from were from Ireland most of my people come from you know the Midwest or the prairies of Canada um, so it's really nice to get a good perspective from somebody who's a little bit more eastern yeah well farmers are all going through stress we're all in this together I just got back from NCBA last week and um, I spoke with people from both California and Virginia and um, you know Minnesota and Louisiana and we're all going through the same stuff I mean, absolutely. I mean, there might be, you know, some localized things, but for the most part, we all are fighting the same fight and we're all trying to do good in very similar ways. So I really appreciate you coming on and um, giving me that perspective today. Um, I'm, I'm here to talk anytime as I tell the same thing to farmers. It's just all they have to, they know my cell phone number. They just have to call me. So if anybody does want to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them? Uh, easiest way probably would be to email me right away, and then and then we can go from there. Email's pretty simple. It's just my, my first, C Martel, so C M A R T E L uh, for my last name, and it's at vt.edu for Virginia Tech. We'll we'll put a link to that in the show notes, so people if yeah, they do and, want to contact you, they they'll have an easy easy access to that. Yeah, and like I said, I've got three programs scheduled from here uh, from the 18th to the March 3rd to do for producers. So. Awesome. Sounds like you're going to be busy and hopefully, hopefully that'll be well attended and, you know, a lot of folks will get stuff out of that. Yeah, I hope so. One of them is a, a woman's conference. I'm looking forward to that one because it's just, just the, the ladies coming yeah. and it's, um, you know, it's a good time to, whether they're the producer themselves or they're the, the spouse, they, they need to hear what's going on and, and be able to recognize the signs and the symptoms and also be able to know what they need to do to get themselves in a better state. If you want anything to change, this is regardless, but especially on a farm, first person you talk to is, is the wife, <laughs> the woman in yeah. the, the woman <laughs> you, involved you because she, there's nobody can get stuff done like, like a farmer's wife. You know, that's what I always tell the farmers when they say something. I said, I'll just call your wife. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know the ticket. Well, well, great. Well, I really enjoyed this tonight, Cynthia. Thank you for, uh, thank you for spending the time. Thank, thank you. you and I did too. Time. Awesome. Cool. Next week on the show, we have Susan Springer. Susan is doing some wonderful work up in Wisconsin raising awareness of suicide in the rural communities. In particular, she is tasked with raising awareness of suicide and mental health among farmers in Wisconsin. As many people know, there's been a huge increase in the number of dairies that are going under, and we know that Wisconsin is a huge dairy state, and so her work in Wisconsin could not become more timely. So we're, we talked to her a little bit and in about what she's doing up there and really excited, had a really great conversation with Susan. Like I said, at the beginning, I have some news of where I'm going to be in a few weeks. I've been invited to speak on a panel at commodity classic. And we're talking about the stresses of farm and ranch succession and 
estate planning, um, some of the stresses that can go along with that for the generational shift. I'm really excited to be on a stage for the first time talking to folks, um, even though it is just a, a kind of a question and answer panel. This is a big goal that is being fulfilled of mine to get up on a stage and talk to people. So um, if you are heading down to San Antonio, February 27th through 29th at Commodity Classic, I will be there. Look for me. I'll be in one of the breakout sessions at 3.30 talking about farm and ranch succession planning. So be sure to check me out if you're going to be there. Otherwise, um, just stay tuned for our interview with Susan next week. I'm your host, Jason Meadows, and this has been the Ag State of Mind podcast. Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.